Hey friends, this is Mario J. Radford. I'm the pastor of Growth Point Church, and this is our podcast. I pray that it connects, leads, and maybe introduces you to a growing and life-changing relationship with Jesus. Now let's go into the message. How many of you have been challenged this week with shooting off at the mouth? So let's, let's make sure that all of us know that all of us have been tested with shooting off at the mouth. How many of you were tested and almost clocking on somebody this week? Let's show of hands. I just want to make sure. So I just want to make sure I got the right room because if we don't have the right room, then I have to stop. Uh, but all of us have been tested in some area of our mouth, and um, that's where I want to build on and go through real quickly as far as a review. Uh, because Ecclesiastes 5 and verse 1, where it talked about, he says, watch your step when you enter the house of God. What I was saying last week, for those of you who aren't here, is that we have to make sure uh, that we honor the presence of the Lord in such a way that as we enter into the house uh, that we um, don't just enter in haphazardly, that we don't just step in as if we are supposed to be there. Um, uh, scripture says in Lamentations 3.23, I believe it's verse 23, where it says, it is by the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. If you don't give God praise for anything this week, thank him for mercy. Uh, that it's not that we didn't deserve punishment, not that we didn't deserve death, not that we didn't deserve car wrecks and all these different things to destroy us, take us out, but his mercy um, that's where I believe uh, Charles Jenkins wrote the songs that I plead the blood. It's something about uh, being under the blood of Jesus Christ and for those of you who haven't given your life to Christ, I'm going to give you that opportunity, but basically when it says enter, watch your step when you enter the house of God, that is saying make sure that you enter with respect that's why the uh, scripture says uh, enter into his gates with thanksgiving enter in with thankfulness that's why worship praise and all the different things that happen today are very very important because it takes a minute for many of us to shift our mind from what we've been thinking about to thinking about the lord you just don't enter into the building and all of a sudden you just turn into a spiritual being it is something that you have to work on uh, that's why i gave the example last week that mom used to make sure that we worked on all of our different things the night before and not just on sunday like we would iron our clothes and all that type of stuff because we were preparing. Uh, you would wake up on Sunday morning and you would smell food because after church was over, all you did was warm up the food. You didn't cook the food after church. Yeah, I'm not telling y'all to do that. Some of y'all, 80% of y'all probably don't cook, so you don't know anything about that. But for those people who they were preparing, uh, some of you are microwave Christians, but mom mom was an oven or, or, or uh, what do you call that? Uh, pot, you know, doing pot roast and stuff like that. Y'all know anything about that type of stuff. Uh, but we had to make sure that you let stuff simmer for a while. And there are some of you who have to, before you get into the house, you have to let something simmer for a second. You have to allow your mind to simmer in the presence of the Lord long enough for yesterday or, or the person who tried to cut you off while you were driving or whatever happened before you got here to get out of your system so that then you can lift your hands and say, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Can anybody thank God for the simmering of the presence of the Lord? So enter to learn, it goes on, it says, enter to learn, that's far better than mindlessly offering a sacrifice. Enter to learn means that even when you approach the word, even this time, that even though this is part two of last week and I've given a recap, you have to be able to, as I did, to approach the scripture as if you've never heard it before. 
to be able to look at it again and say, what might I have missed? Have any of you watched a movie a few times and every time you watched it, you saw a part that you didn't see before? If you need a movie, find something Jordan Peele, something that's real deep. You got to look at it a few times and like, now what did I miss? So sometimes there are things in the scripture that if you're not careful, you will approach it based on what grandmama taught you, Sunday school taught you, denomination taught you or whatever. And you'll miss the, the life of the word because you're approaching it with the knowledge uh, because you sometimes, we sometimes, not just you, but we sometimes enter based on knowledge base and not experiential. Experiential means because I've experienced God. We should say a song, uh, I thank God for him being my mama's God and for my dad's God, but now I can say he's my God. It's one thing for you to say he's a bridge over troubled waters when you've had no troubled waters for him to take you over, but when you've gone through a situation where you almost drowned, where you almost sunk, I feel like preaching, when you almost sunk, when you almost drowned, then you can say he has been a bridge for me when I should have sank. He allowed me to step over what should have killed me. He allowed me to step out of cars that should have destroyed me. He allowed me to step out of sickness that should have been my death sentence. So when you've gone through things, you're now able to say, thank God for what he did for mama. Thank God for what he did for daddy. Thank God for doing what he did for big mama. But I sure thank him for what he's done for me. Somebody give God praise for knowing him for yourself. Hey, glory. So we go through that and verse 2 says, don't shoot off at the mouth. Speak before you think. What that means is, before I say something, I need to think about it. Uh, many of us are emotional, emotional Christians, emotional followers, and we're not con cognitive or thinking Christians. Uh, what it means is we react and then we think. Sometimes before you send the text, you should think about it before you put send. Uh, sometimes before you send the email, you should think about it. You should edit it. Before you say something to somebody, you should probably think about it before you say it. It's very careful because some of our judgment is based on emotions and not knowledge. Sometimes we hand down things based on what we've heard about someone. So we make a we make a decision based on something that affected us emotionally. And then how many of you have sometimes met someone and say you were nothing like I heard you were? So you have to make sure that your information, even about God and about your relationship with God, is based on knowledge and based on something that you know for yourself and not just something that you're just shooting off of the mouth. It says, don't be too quick to tell God what you think he wants to hear. God is in charge, meaning you want to make sure that when you, when you enter the house of God or when you're even doing things in rela relationship or even doing things in worship, that you're just not going down a list of routines, but you're going down and checking your relationship value. There are a lot of us who do things based off a of routine. When I was growing up, we knew how the deacons were going to pray because they prayed the same way every time. Uh, when I was growing up, we would know certain preachers, how they were going to preach because they preach the same way every time. And they close. When I say close, for those of you, um, this is an African-American type of experience that some of you might not have experienced before. But some of us in the African-American experience, when we preach sometimes, it can get very emotional. And it can get uh, have a Hammond B3 organ, which we don't have yet. If you stretch your hand to the right of the stage, God will do it soon. Uh, but we don't have a Hammond B3 organ yet. But it would get a little emotional. And the pastor might do what some, some religions, some race, excuse me, call singing at the end of their preaching. It's not singing, it's called celebration. It's where, uh, where if you're from the country, you know that if you cook the meat long enough, the meat will make its own gravy. What it means is, if you get in the word long enough, the word will start getting good to you, and all of a sudden, you start to put a little put a, put a little bass in your voice, and you start to raise up, and everybody starts to get excited. But sometimes, even that can become more art than anointing. Huh. See, I'm a naturally, if you can't tell, an excited person by nature. 
Uh, but if I'm not careful, I can allow my exciteration to override the anointing of God. I got to make sure that even my personality is checked by the authority of which I've been hired. To say that I can't get up here and just put on the Mario Radford show because there is no power in my name. But there is still power, wondrous working power in the name of Jesus. Does anybody know that name, Jesus? We thank God that the, even when I fail, he's never failed me. So I have to make sure that on my best day that I check myself to make sure that I am not greater than him. That's why it says make sure that you enter uh, to learn. Uh, make sure that you don't shoot off with the mouth. Don't tell God what you think, to, uh, think he wants to hear. But he's in charge. So as we go through this, I'm going through my thing. And the first point I had last week was is you can't speak right if you don't think right. Uh, you can't say right words if you don't think right thoughts. How many of you have been checking your thoughts all week? Those of you who haven't even heard the word, but you've just been checking your thoughts, and you're really getting to the point, point. you're like, Lord, just check my thoughts. My thoughts are, uh, my mind's telling me no. I'm just, just sometimes it's not always <laughs> where it needs to be, so I'm, I'm working on my thought life. And, and for those of you who are not working on your thoughts, maybe you're dead because your mind stopped working a long time ago. But for those who are alive, Paul said, I die daily. There's something about me that I don't like every single day. When I look in the mirror, I have to look at myself and say, Lord, what is it that you need to do in me that even I don't see? Psalms 139 says, he says, search me, O God. Try me, know me, and if you see anything in me that shouldn't be, take it out. When's the last time you allow God to search you? Uh, we want God to search others, but when's the last time we allow God to shine the light from heaven on my own soul, not anybody else's? I said, Lord, why are you blessing somebody else? Why are you doing something for somebody else? Check me, Lord. Somebody just holler out in the room, check me, God. Check me. Uh, so Numbers, the 13th chapter, I know I'm going pretty fast, but I just want to go through this and honor your time. Uh, some of you can make sure you can go eat and stuff like that. Numbers, the 13th chapter and verse 32 says that uh, there was um, there's some spies that had been assigned from Moses to come out of the land of Egypt uh, they come out of the wilderness excuse me they were coming out of the wilderness and before they got into the promised land uh, they were assigned to go spy out the land uh, where they were going God had an assignment for them but they had to go spy it out it says that there were 12 of them that went to go spy out the land and uh, when they went to spot the land, they found out that the land was great. They found out there were big grapes and there were all these different types of things that they had never experienced before. But in the midst of that, they also found out that there was opposition in the land in the form of giants. And that's what the scripture talks about. It says, we went there. So they saw that there was some opposition there. Instead of, the, instead of them knowing that first point is uh, just for them to be sent by their leader meant that they were sent with authority. So they had authority in a land that they had never experienced to be able to conquer whatever they were going to face. Now, there are many of you who are going into opportunities and areas that you've never been in before. But if God has sent you into a thing, you have to know that greater is he that is in you than he that is probably coming against you. So what happened was, it says they went there and they came back and they brought back a negative report to the Israelites about the land they had scouted. And the land they passed through to explore, it says, this land is good. Uh, but there's giants in the land. Uh, so we don't think that we are able to, to, to inhabit this land. And it says at the ending of verse 33, it says, to ourselves, uh, we seem like grasshoppers. So if we seem like that to ourselves, it says, and we must have seemed the same to them. 
Sometimes you lose the battle in your mind, so you lose the battle in front of you. Because you've told yourself something that God didn't tell you, you have believed your own lie. There are many of us who have been destroyed by our own thoughts, not the thoughts outside of us. But because I thought myself wrong, I allowed everybody else's, uh, I allowed people who didn't think that way uh, to be controlled by what I thought of myself. What that means is there are many of you who keep conforming to different people according to your environment because of how you think of yourself. Because you are not valued in yourself, you're looking for people outside of you to value something that you don't value within yourself. When you look in the mirror, you don't see yourself as a wonderful person or a beautiful person. So you need somebody to tell you outside of you that you're a beautiful person. So when some guy or some lady comes up to you and says, you know what, your eyes are so brute, so your eyes are so brown, you'll be like, oh, these old things. what type of brown you know and we we do that instead of looking at your own self and saying you know what I like these brown contacts that I bought and how beautiful they are and to be able to value yourself and to be able to lift up yourself so that when someone outside of you comes along all they're doing is complimenting what you've already done inside yourself to be able to do you need to sometimes those of you who are single I don't know how many of you are single even college students sometimes you need to date yourself Go out to Chick-fil-A, whatever you want. I'm saying college student budget. Go to Chick-fil-A, do what you got to do, and say, you know what? I have enjoyed my time with myself. And when somebody else comes along, you can say, now, I enjoy my space. Don't mess it up. <laughs> to be able to say, I have a good time. We turned down for what? It with myself. So don't come in here and, and rain on my parade because I love me. So don't make me start doubting what I have worked hard to build up. Don't make me start thinking low of myself when I worked a long time to build myself up. Don't mess up my credit because it was good before you got here. So when you get here, I got to make sure that what you bring is a little bit better than what I already had. Somebody give God praise for that. <laughs> sometimes the majority, as I said last week, sometimes the majority of our thoughts are outnumbering the minority of the God thoughts that God wants to have, that he has inside of us. Sometimes the majority of our thinking is worse than the minority. So what happened was because the majority of those, those people gave back a negative report, they believed the majority instead of going with Joshua and Caleb who were the minority. Sometimes your old habits are outnumbered by your God habits. That's why scripture says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, I believe it says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, in Christ, that means he's a new creature. That means my majority of my old habits are passed away. But if my old habits is passed away, that means I'm going to have to learn. Someone say learn. I'm going to have to learn. That means is if you've been, oh, I want to say this real quick because I got a uh, mixed audience. If you were promiscuous before Christ, you're going to learn how to be an honorable person when you're in Christ. You're going to have to learn that. That means you just don't stumble into celibacy. You just don't stumble into not cussing. You just don't stumble into not being a social drinker. That's something that you've got to learn. Someone say learn. Like I've got to learn how to develop this thing. Like I can't just go from here to Europe and just and know what side of the street to drive on. I need what they call a tour guide. 
And many of us and many of you who are first-time Christians or you're renewing your faith walk, what you need to ask God is to give you a tour of God on how to walk in this new life and what it looks like because you can learn church and not know Christ. Meaning church is I know a system, but I have not learned the Savior. And you got to make sure that somebody doesn't teach you the system. We don't want to be like coming to America. What type of food you like? Whatever type of food you like. What type of, what type of music you like? Whatever type of music you like. Oh, no, no, no. I don't want to do what Simon says. I want to know what the Savior says. And what is it that he wants me to do? And how does he want me to act? And in order for me to do that, I need to be with somebody who's walked with him for a while. I need that. Thank you, brother. We need somebody who's been seasoned in this thing. If you don't know how to sell real estate, don't be talking about to, trying to get me to buy some stuff and to get an investment that's going to wind up messing me up. If you don't know how to manage your money, don't go into partnership with me because I don't need to go into debt. I worked hard to get out of it. I need somebody who knows how to do this. Somebody say, I need somebody. I, I need somebody. And sometimes the person God sends won't be somebody who looks like you. And I'm not talking about the outer exterior. I'm not talking about what they look like as far as race. I'm talking about sometimes God will send you what you need. There's an old proverb that says when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. If some of you have not had anybody to guide you yet, maybe because you're not ready yet. When you're ready to live a certain way, when you're ready to walk in a certain way, God will send exactly what you need. And I want you to be not weary and well-doing for in due season. You will reap. For those of you like, I ain't got no friends, maybe God was purging some things, purging some people from you because you had more, you had more crowd than you had people who were really disciples. You had more people who were not for you and God had to purge that thing. He had to separate, come on Gideon, God had to make sure that he downsized that thing so that he could get the glory and some seasons are for the downside because just because it's a downside doesn't mean that God's not going to bring that thing back up. I want you to give God praise for what he's getting ready to do. Scripture says uh, over in John 15, I believe it says that he says that every everything that does not bear fruit, he prunes it so that it can bear forth more fruit. Some of you are just in a pruning season. Uh, pruning is not comfortable because pruning cuts. But thank God for cutting me because there are some things that I wouldn't have gotten rid of had he not cut it from me. There are some habits I would not have cut had God not did it for me. Some of y'all give God praise because you're delivered. But if you tell the real truth, it's not that you got delivered on your own. If it had not been for the Lord, if it had not been for things orchestrating themselves the way they did, you might be still where you were. But God loved you too much to keep you where you were. And he snatched you out of that thing and said, there's more in you. There's more purpose in you. And I can't let you die in your mess. Uh, come on, prodigal son. Prodigal son was out there. Well, I feel like preaching. The prodigal son was out there wallowing, sitting there with the pigs. And he was sitting there doing stuff he had no business doing. But the scripture says that while he was wobbling, while he was wobbling out there with the, with the pig and the swine, scripture says, and then he came to himself. Can you give God praise for the seasons that you have come to yourself? Some of the decisions I made is because I was out of myself. I wasn't doing what I was supposed to do. Didn't even know how I started rolling that thing up. But all of a sudden I came to myself come on songwriter I came to Jesus just as I was I was weary I was worn and I was sad but what happened I found in him uh, 
He's made me glad. Give God praise for coming back in your right mind. Some of you need to text some of your exes and say, I was out of myself. It wasn't you. It was me. I wasn't thinking right. I knew you was a fool when I met you, but I, I allowed your cologne <laughs> to overshadow my judgment. But when you took a bath, I said, oh, no, no, no. This smells like mess, and I don't need to be a part of it. Thank God for coming back to yourself. Let me go on. Some of y'all having flashbacks. Don't say nothing. I'm telling y'all. I've gone to my high school reunion, and I said, I was like, thank God for the blood. So you can't speak if you can't think right. You can't speak right. And then we go on. My next point was what you believe is what you confess. Um, and that's why uh, some of you have to check what you're saying, not just what you're saying, but if it's coming out your mouth, it's because that's what you believe to be true. There are some of us who have told ourselves a version of the truth so long that it has become your reality. Uh, that if we were to really check it, we would find out that you might be the only hypocrite in your own story. Uh, those of you who don't know what the word hypocrite means, hypocrite means play actor. It means somebody who's been acting in their own script. And some of you have scripted your own thing, produced your own thing, funded your own movie for so long that you have done the playwright of it so long and you've attended your show so long and you have believed your own report. Scripture says, but whose report will you believe? I believe the report of the Lord. What that means is some things I tell myself are not true. And I have to be careful that what I say is based on truth and not on feelings. Sometimes I do feel like a motherless child, but my mother is still living. I can't, I can't say that. It's not truth. Uh, some of the things we say, I ain't never had this. I ain't never had that. And sometimes what you don't have is because that's what you keep saying. What that means is when you keep saying it, you're saying you don't deserve to have it. Well, you keep saying, I can't find it. Everybody's a mess because you keep attracting what you're saying. Uh, so Romans 10 chapter, verse 8 through 10, y'all won't work for it. It says, but what did it say? Uh, they were talking about, uh, shall we go and shall we ascend to the depths? And shall we go get the word here? Shall we get the word there? He said, no, you don't have to do that. Verse, verse 8 says, in verse Romans 10 and 8 says, but what does it say? The scripture says the word is near you. The word is near me means it's in my mouth and it's in my heart. That is the word of faith. Someone say faith. The word of faith that we preach, my faith is what dictates my profession. My faith, say that one more time, my faith dictates my profession. What that means is some of the things I say I have not seen, but that doesn't mean I don't believe. Because of my belief system, that's why my confession is the way that it is. How do I know this growth point was not here five years ago, but according to my faith, five years later, look at you. You speak it according to faith. Now, I'm not speaking faith according to Cleo. It wasn't a horoscope reading that I had that day that dictated my confession. Uh, according to the word that was placed inside of me. What God wanted to do, I had to speak it and believe it even when I didn't see it. So it said, the word is near you in your mouth and your heart because if you confess with your mouth what you say 
that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, your heart meaning your thoughts, the center of your emotional being, that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now that cancels out a lot of people because there are a lot of people who want scientific proof Show me the exact thing so that I can prove this thing uh, that Jesus was raised from the dead. I, I, I need to, how did that actually work? And how did that actually come to being? And what did the scientists say? Let me tell you, I went all the way over to Israel, to the Holy Land. All I know is that the tomb is empty. My daughter was here and she would say, period, with a T. That's all I know is that the tomb is empty. What I know is what I felt in an empty tomb. I could take you to the spot that Muhammad is dead. I could take you to the spot to a lot of leaders that have started movements have been buried. But I, and I can, they, they say that they're in that, that, that particular coffin or that particular thing that they're laid in. But, but what I know is about my Savior is not only can I take you to the spot, but the tomb's empty to show you that what tried to hold him there couldn't even hold him and is not even there anymore. That's what I know for sure. Now, you don't have to shout on that, but I shout on it every time I go and look at it and say that he's not there anymore. Now, where is he? Now he's in me. My God was too big to stay just in a place. He had to be in you. He had to be in you. He had to be in you. My God is so diverse that he could be speaking Spanish and English all at the same time. Uh, he's a good God. Somebody say he's a good God. Oh, that's what I believe that he raised him from the dead. You will be saved. For with the heart, uh, your thoughts, one believes. Uh, my thoughts make me a believer uh, you have to think on it before you speak on it uh, with my heart one believes and is justified and with the mouth one confesses and is saved um, it's not enough. I remember growing up in uh, certain uh, particular areas and sometimes when um, the traditional churches sometimes would have someone come up and they would sit in a chair and the uh, pastor or the leader, whoever was teaching that day, would say, uh, do you believe in Jesus? And they would respond, yes. They would say, do you believe that Jesus died for you? They would say, yes. Uh, do you believe Jesus got up for you? They would say, yes. And they would say, based on the confession of your faith, we believe that you got saved. I was always confused by that, Carrington. Because I said, all they said was yes. Y'all missed it, too. I guess y'all wanted the same service I was at. Do you like the gym, Portia? Yes. Do you believe the gym is important? Do you go there sometimes? I believe that you are going to be healthy. Are you tired of debt? Are you tired of debt collectors calling you? I believe you're a candidate for wealth. Did your finance change because you said yes? Are you beach ready because I, you said yes? 
So how can you be saved just because you said yes? Yes didn't qualify me. What I confess, what do you believe? I believe Jesus died. I believe Jesus got up. And I believe that he was raised and came into my heart and that he saved me. According to that confession, I'm saved. Not with a yes. For those of you who are saying, uh, I believe I should have a good relationship. That's good. But have you confessed what type of relationship you want to have? Because you can make it very vague. And when you get somebody, you get a very vague person. Because you weren't specific about that thing. Come on, Ashley. When Ashley had us down there at her, at her thing when she was selling paintings, she didn't just say, I got some drawings. She showed us specific drawings. And according to the specificity, the specificity, is that the right, right word? Whatever. Whatever she said, based on what she did. That sounded good, though. But what, based on what she did, her drawing, it made us buy, not because she had a thought, but she had a confession that made a painting. There are some of you who have thoughts that you have not materialized that it hasn't been released yet. So when you make a confession, it can't just be a yes. It's got to be, you got to put some word on it. Somebody say, put some word on it. Miles Monroe said, he says, you can have potential, but if you don't have belief, your potential becomes a victim to your present belief. Say it again. He says, you can have potential, but if you don't have belief, your potential becomes a victim to your present belief. Just for you to say you have potential is good. But if you, are, if you don't have belief with your potential, then all it is is just a wasted dream. Uh, I believe in working out. I believe in a healthy life. And that's one thing to believe it. But I also got to put actions to what I believe. My belief is not going to get me a, a sculpted body. I've got to make sure that I have some actions according to that. You can't have, I believe in good health, but all you do is sit around and eat fried chicken all day long. God heal my diabetes. God heal my cholesterol. But you won't change your eating habits. You've got to make sure according to your confession, according to your confession, it's action. Someone say action. All right, let me keep going. Let me keep going. So, uh, so my point three is here. It says your words, and we never got here last week, but now I'm here. Your words frame your world. Let's say that together. One, two, three. Your words frame your world. Say it again. Your words frame your world. Let's go to the beginning of scripture, the beginning of what Moses wrote. He was a historian. He wrote this. Genesis, the first chapter, verse one says, in the beginning... God created. The word created means shaped, formed. It means it wasn't in place. God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void. Y'all know the scripture. If you don't even have a Bible, you know the scripture. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. Now, this is why it's important that I'm talking about your words from your world. It says, in the beginning, God created, wasn't even there, but he created, and the heavens and the earth. And it says, the earth was without form and void. I looked up that void. That void means that the world was filled with confusion and emptiness. When there is no form, there is confusion and emptiness. 
When there is no vision, there is confusion and emptiness. When there are no directions, there is confusion and emptiness. Have you ever been a part of a confused institution? A confused business meeting? A confused friendship? <laughs> when you are not exactly sure what they are, there's some point you have to define that thing. Because where there is no form, there is confusion and emptiness. He says, in the beginning, there was no shape, there was no form, there was confusion and emptiness. And it says, and darkness was over the face of the deep. But this was the important part that I read here. It says, and in the midst of all of that, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. I almost missed that. There was confusion, right? There was emptiness, right? There was no form, right? But the Spirit of God was there. <laughs> there was nothing created. There was nothing shaped. There was no form. But the Spirit of God was there. And that hovering right there, when it says that, I had to look at it. I had to go deeper. Y'all want me to go deeper? Someone said go deeper. Y'all want me to go deeper? I had to look that thing up. And when I looked up that, <clears throat> the word hovering meant brooding. Well, uh, I failed a lot of classes in school. Uh, so I wasn't a good student. So I had to realize, I had to look up, what does the word brooding mean? Well, when I looked up the word brooding, the word brooding is associated with hens or, or, or when a hen is getting ready to birth chickens. Uh, so when I looked up the word brooding, it says, according to the natural instinct of a hen, when the hen knows it's time for eggs to hatch, it sits. And it sits on the egg until it hatches. Because there's a certain warmth that only the mother can give what hasn't hatched yet. So because of what is in the natural, internal, maternal instinct of the mother, it knows when it's time to stop moving around in confusion and when it's time to sit. So the hen had to stop its regular activities because it says something is getting ready to be birthed. And it's not going to be birthed if I don't sit. So according to the mother's instinct, the mother sits on the eggs and she sits there until she starts to feel movement. And when she starts to feel movement, she still doesn't move until the, until the chickens are fully hatched. Let me tell you something. If you haven't been fully hatched, don't move yet. I know you got potential, but if it's not ready to be birthed yet, don't move until God's through with you. What that means is let God sit on you. Let the word sit on you. Let his presence sit on you long enough because according to the natural instincts of God, God knows what's best for you and he knows when to release you. And some of y'all are walking around and you're walking around as eggs. God never designed you to walk around with a shell on you. God never designed you to walk around with something trying to hold you back. When God releases you, he takes everything that was on you all so that you can be all that he would have for you to be. But you've got to stay in his presence long enough so that you can be fully hatched. Somebody say fully hatched. There's nothing worse than being a, a, a half-baked Christian. What happens is impatience makes us move too fast. 
and patience because it's uncomfortable when you got a schedule, but God's got a different schedule. But allow God to sit on you long enough. He knows when it's time for you to have. So what happened was there was confusion and there was darkness. And for some of us, in the midst of confusion, we'd be saying a whole lot of stuff. This don't make no sense. Darkness, foolishness, all this stuff. Look at it. That's all. Hey, when somebody, and this is what we normally do. We don't say, I got to do something about it. We say, somebody should do something about this. Come on, tell the, t- tell the truth on yourself. We all want to ascribe it to somebody else. But what happened is in the midst of confusion, God didn't even allow the confusion to dictate to him. He dictated to the confusion. You have to make sure that whatever's outside of you does not dictate to you. There can be confusion, racism, craziness, all types of violence and all types of malice of evil outside of you. But it doesn't have to affect me. I affect what happens outside of me. So what God did in the midst of confusion, verse 3 says, and God said, let there be light and there was. God didn't see it, but he spoke it. He didn't see it, but he spoke it until he saw it. Now, this is the part we miss is that God didn't speak anything that wasn't first in him. You can't say, let there be something if it's not first in you. The word, I hope this is not too deep for you. And God said is a word that means decree. Decree means it's an official order issued by a legal authority. What that means is I can't go in front of the governor's mansion and say I demand to see the deacon. I demand to see the governor. All they're going to do is take me to the local county jail and say some crazy preacher was saying he deserved to see the preacher. Because I have no legal authority to demand his presence. It's just a request that's not based on legal authority. So I can't say something unless I have legal authority and access to the governor. What that means is God spoke light because light was already in him. He said, I want what's in me to be outside of me. There's no confusion in me, so I don't want there to be confusion outside of me. You have to make sure that what you're speaking is based on what's inside of you. Like you can't help somebody through deliverance if you're not first delivered. You can't talk to me about stopping drinking if you're still drinking. Because you have no legal authority. But when you have dominion over something and when you have authority over something, you can look at a demon and say, oh, no, 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 no. This is as far as you can go because there is no activity of hell in me. So I won't allow hell to be in my house. Because I've got legal authority. Someone say legal authority. Uh, so God spoke. I'm almost finished, musicians. Y'all can come on. He said, he said, I spoke what I wanted to see, and what I wanted to see is what I said. Someone say, speak what you want to see. Say it again. Say, speak what you want to see. Say it again. Speak what you want to see. I thank God that he spoke me into existence. 
There are some times I don't want to see myself, but for some reason God believes in me and he believes that there's something inside of me that's greater than my past and that's greater than my history and he knows the plans that he has for me. I wanted to give up many times, but I thank God that he spoke a thing into existence. Somebody thank God that he spoke over you. Yeah. Genesis, the first chapter, and verse 26 says this. Then God said, and I'm almost through. Then God said, uh, let us make man in our own image. Uh, what that means is, he says, uh, I, I, it's one thing for me to speak something, but I want to make man and let them do the same thing that I do. Uh, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock. So God created man in his image and in the image of God. Someone said, I'm creating his image. <laughs> what that means is you have to be careful what you speak because what you say is based in the image of God. Uh, when you speak, it's like God speaking because you're made in his image. That means you're cut out. Have you ever seen somebody who says to you, you look just like your mama? Uh, you just like your aunt? Who's your people? Because you look like what you came from. There are some of you who don't realize what you came from. And because you don't realize what you came from, you just say anything. But because I'm royalty, because I'm a king's kid, I have to be careful what I say. Because there are some things I can't settle for because of who I'm kin to. And what I'm connected to. Can we give God praise for what you're connected to? Uh, John, the first chapter, I'm almost finished. Uh, John, the first chapter, verse 1 through 5. I'm going I'm to come around here in a Honda real quick. He says, John, the first chapter, verse 1 says, In the beginning was the word. What that means is no matter what your embryonic season is right now, have a word. He says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. What that means is before there was anything, he had a word. And not only did he have a word, he was the word. What that means is, it's one thing for me to speak about deliverance. It's one thing for me to speak about peace. But one, another thing, when peace is me. It's another thing for me to speak about victory. It's another thing for me to speak about breakthrough. But when I've experienced breakthrough, I speak from a different place because I've experienced it. Is there any of you all who just not speaking stuff, but you know what you're saying? God was in the beginning and the same was in the beginning. And he was in the beginning and God and all things were made through him. And without him was not anything made. Without a word, nothing was made. My last point is the truth I might shout here. I'm almost through. Jelante, y'all might, Jelante, come and get me real quick. Verse 4 says, the truth will outlive your test. Uh, I'm almost through. I'm sorry, Devin. I might holler for a second. But the truth will outlive your test. Before I give another praise, before I give another word, can you give God praise that the word is going to outlive your test? The word is going to outlive whatever you're going through right now. The truth will outlive your test. Let me give you a word. I'm through. Uh, Genesis, the third chapter. And I'm going to give you the hip-hop version because I feel like being ratchet for a second. I don't feel like just reading it. So I'm going to give you all the hip-hop version, the cliff notes. It says, Genesis, the third chapter. It says, there was, a, there was an enemy. There was a serpent and he was crafty. Uh, he was cunning. Uh, that means that he knew exactly how to test them. And he came to them and he said, did God really say? Uh, what that means is that there are some seasons in your life uh, that God, that the enemy will come to you to test you on what you know. Uh, said, did God really say? What that means is you can't know your emotions. You got to know the word. <laughs> 
Uh, you can't know church, you got to know Christ. You, you can't know Pastor Mario, you got to know the God of Pastor Mario. You can't quote and say what well, he said. Oh, no, you got to know for yourself because the enemy will test you on what you know. Has anybody been tested on what you know recently? I want to make sure I'm not the only one. He will test you and say, did God really say uh, said to God really say and, and they went on and had this conversation and, and what happens is if you're not careful uh, what you don't know you entertain so because they didn't know they entertained they entertained a conversation with someone they should have rebuked uh, because when you don't know better you don't do better so because they didn't know better, they entertained the conversation. But let me tell you, there are some seasons now that I have overcome that there are some things I don't entertain anymore because I know better. Uh, when I see something that don't look right, when I see something that don't sound right, if you bark like a dog, you are a dog. If you quack like a duck, you are. I'm not going to say, oh, you look like one. You might not be. Oh, no, I've been through too much. And I now know what I know. Someone say, I know what I know. Uh, so they entertained because they didn't know. And, and what happened was because they didn't know, they allowed that conversation to put them in a place where they were tested, uh, tempted, uh, tried. Uh, they entertained something. And when they entertained it, their entertainment wound up exposing what they never needed to know. You'll read that when you, when you get home. And then God came and he appeared. It says the sound of the, of the Lord uh, walked around in the cool of the day. And he said to them, where are you? Uh, Adam hid. Eve hid. And he said, why are you hiding? He said, because we realized uh, that we were naked. God said, who told you that? Uh, now, some of you might miss that. Y'all think he was just saying uh, go back to the relationship that I had. I never told you that. No, that's not what he was saying, Patrice. What he was saying is, who told you that your nakedness would separate you from me? Who told you that whatever you did was too great that I wouldn't love you? Who told you that whatever you did wrong was so great that I didn't want to have communication with you, Juanita. I didn't want to talk to you anymore. Who made you feel unloved? Because I didn't. Who made you feel unvalued? Because I didn't. Who told you you shouldn't be in my presence? Who told you you shouldn't have a relationship with me? Because I didn't. So if I didn't, who did? And I want to talk to you. I got three more minutes. I want to talk to some of y'all. Whose lies have you believed? Who's keeping you from the presence of God? Who's keeping you from deeper fellowship? Because somebody told you what you did was greater than his presence. But according to my Bible, maybe it's not your Bible. Maybe you turned it out. Maybe you proved it out. But what my Bible tells me that if I confess my sins, he's faithful and just to forgive. Maybe y'all don't believe that. But because I believe it, every time I'm wrong, I confess it. And according to my confession, he loves me through it. He said, there's nothing that you can do that will put you away from my presence. But because they believe the lie of the enemy, they allowed it to take them out of position. What I'm trying to do to y'all, I'm not trying to sweat to build up calories. 
But there are some of you who are not in position and it's because of a lie. You've allowed a lie to take you out of spot. You are more than the lie you believe. I'm through here. Because he says, you got kicked out because of what you believed. They got a position based on what they believed. And y'all say, well, the message is going to end like that? No. What was my last point? My last point is that the truth would outlive the test. Oh, I just want to shout for myself because I know where I'm going. Y'all don't know where I'm going. Have you ever just praised God and don't nobody else see it but you? Have you ever just given God glory for a second and somebody's like, what's wrong with you? I see something you don't see yet. I know something that hadn't even happened yet. Can we just take a praise break for a second just to thank God for what's coming? I don't see it yet, but it's coming. I know you don't believe it, but it's coming. I, I, I know where I'm going. Uh, uh, I ain't trying to go here, but I just feel like bouncing around like a bunny real quick. But I'm shouting because I know where I'm going. Because the truth outlives the test what's my last scripture Keitha what is it Keitha it says in Revelation the 12th chapter and verse 10 it says and then I heard a loud voice from heaven saying now salvation and the power and the kingdom of God and the authority of his Christ have come for the accuser of the brothers uh, I'm sorry, I don't want to be gender. The accuser of the sisters. <laughs> the accuser. The one who kept coming to me and reminding me of what I did. The accuser. And maybe ain't none of y'all been accused before. But if you've ever been confused, it's a bad feeling when somebody's accusing you of something. And you can't do nothing about it. But it says that the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down. Who threw it down? I didn't throw it down, but God threw him down. Who accuses them day and night before our God. Well, this is the part that shouted me, and I'm going to get out of here so we can go ahead and do our salvation prayer and be done. But verse 11 says, and they have conquered him by the blood of the lamb. Oh, Lord, I wish I would shout the way you need to shout. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb. What is the blood of the lamb? It means that it's because of the sacrifice of Christ. Because of him dying on the cross for me. Because of him being wounded in his side. Because of there being nails in his hand. The blood came streaming down. And that same blood that Jesus shed for me. When he died, there was no power in the blood. But he only stayed dead for a few days. And three days later, that same blood now has power. Over 2,000 years later, I'm still using the blood. And the reason that they said they overcame him by the blood. Y'all want to know the power of the blood. Back in the Old Testament, it says that there was supposed to be a decree that everybody who didn't have the blood over their house, they were supposed to be killed. But Moses said to them, take blood 
of a lamb and put that blood over the doorpost of your house and when the death angel comes through and when he sees the blood he'll keep on going over 2,000 years later it's not that I should be here today it's not that I should be in my right mind but one Wednesday night when I was about nine years old 1989 to be exact I was in a Bible study and I felt something I didn't mean to preach like this I'm supposed to not preach like this I'm supposed to continue like Joel Osteen sorry Joel I gotta move on so here and that Wednesday night it says I gave my heart to Jesus and at the moment that I confessed with my mouth and believed in my heart that Jesus was raised from the dead all of a sudden the same blood that the Israelites used it's the same blood that's on my life so when cancer comes it can't stay when diabetes comes it can't stay they might shoot down the street but they can't shoot my house because the blood can somebody in the room lift your hands and say it's on me 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 the blood is on me bloods on my family bloods on my finances Bloods on my mind, bloods on my children. It's a bloody mess, but thank God for the blood. Oh, the blood. I'm sorry, Nicole. I don't normally act like this, but the blood of Jesus. And then that's not the thing that shouted me for real. That shouted me, but because of the blood, the keratin, one more thing shouted me. And it wasn't just the blood. It's one thing for what Jesus did for me. What Jesus did for me. But it's another thing. And they said that they overcame him by the blood of the lamb. And the word of their testimony. What's that mean? That when I start testifying about the goodness of Jesus, when I start testifying about how he made a way, when I start testifying about how he opened doors, the blood did what it did. But I had to tell somebody about what the blood did. I wish I had somebody who survived anything. I wish I had somebody who overcame anything I wish I had somebody in the room who survived anything that will open up your mouth and testify and say if it had not been for the Lord if it had not been for God it wasn't my mama it wasn't my daddy but all the blood all the blood all the blood Somebody give God praise for what you survived. Ah, I'm through. Everybody stand to your feet. I'm through. Through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. Twas grace. Uh, Y'all ain't ready. 
Y'all ain't ready. Y'all ain't ready. We looking out. Do me a favor. Take your mask down for a second. Don't get through nobody. Don't get near anybody. Just look at your mask and say, say to yourself or somebody around you, say there's a story under this mask. part of my face that's just a part of me that can be exposed right now because if all of me were exposed it might put somebody else in harm so I use this covering to make sure that everybody is safe in the room what that means is there's some things that you see you only see my glory you see my makeup on you see my nice bundles that I got for college Sunday and I look all together but I snatch these bundles off and I tell you underneath this it's just a hood chick that got saved take these nails off I ain't no valley girl I'm a rat girl who got saved sanctified holy ghost filled fire baptized if anybody asks you just who I am tell them I'm running for my life somebody give God praise for what's underneath uh -huh. Stand to your feet all over the building. I'm through. I'm through. You don't know my story. I'm finished. You don't know my story. I only tell you what you can handle because you don't know my story. You know the Sunday version. But if I took you to Saturday night, you might not be able to handle it. You know my college version. But I shouldn't even be in college. Some of my friends died. Shouldn't even be here. Y'all got a y'all got a scholarship. I had to get a loan. Somebody had to do what I had to do. Y'all got money. Got no money. You got a car. I got a bus. But what I know is that I still got here anyway. I, I got here anyway. Somebody give God praise that I got here anyway. I overcame by the blood. I overcame by the blood. I overcame by the blood and by the word of my testimony. Give God praise. Give God praise. Give God praise. Give God praise for what's still here. Still got my mind. Still got my health. Still got my strength. Still got my job. Still got my family. Still got my children. Sickness in my body. But I'm still here. God's not through with me. God's not through with me. And matter of fact, no weapon formed against me shall, shall prosper. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I feel like a wild man. 
crazy man. Give God crazy. Holy Ghost filled praise. I want to take this time to thank you for your prayers, support, and generous giving that make this ministry possible. For more ways to connect, visit online at growthpointchurch.org. If you've enjoyed today's message, you can like, subscribe, share with your friends, or take a screenshot and share on your social stories and tag us at My Growth Point. Until next time, keep growing.